TheWellnessCouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. Welcome to the Primal Alternative Podcast, featuring actionable tips from real people with real stories about real food. This show is presented by Primal Health Coach Helen Marshall, who empowers other paleo-loving, thermomix-owning mums to start a sustainable, faff-free business of their own with the Primalista License. The Primalista License brings primal alternatives to the foods we love to our communities, making primal living more doable with less falling off the wagon. The Primalista License is available at www.primalalternative.com. And now, introducing your host, Helen Marshall. Welcome to the Primal Alternative Podcast. I'm so glad to have you here, dear podcast listener. Now, before we dive into this incredible episode with Sarah Clark, um, I just wanted to let you know that my total transformational program, Set for Life, is starting on October the 15th. So not long, not many sleeps now till I gather together with incredible women on an online forum a Facebook group, uh, to delve into six weeks of pretty much making primal lifestyle non-negotiable. So really um, fine-tuning our skills around eating lots of plants and animals, uh, getting to bed at a good time, spending time in nature, getting some sunshine, connecting, all of those things that we know make us... um, the best version of ourselves and lead. That's like the foundation stones of leading to an extraordinary life, right? But would you get in your car and drive somewhere? I'm in my car now, actually, as I've just realized I don't have an intro for my show tomorrow. So I've just pulled over and doing one. Don't you love technology? Um, Would you get in your car and just drive around aimlessly? Well, not having a plan for how you want your life to look or an idea of how you want to feel as you go through every day in your life is pretty much like getting in your car of life and just driving around the block aimlessly or seriously, right? I know it sounds a bit annoying, but it's true. And only recently, like literally two years ago, did I start to ask myself these questions around how actually do I want my life to look and how do I want to feel and what am I capable of and what do I deserve and what do I want to give myself permission to do so it was what's my passion all of these things and if you've been following my story over the last um, two years my life is completely transformed by following these um, tips which I share in the set for life program so the cost of set for life is $220 it used to be so much more. It used to be near 500 and I totally slashed the price because what I found was um, potential set for lifers were a little bit concerned that they, if they didn't like completely transform their life, they'd feel like they'd failed if they'd spent that money. Do you know what I mean? So I cut the price down so that it's more accessible to more people. And trust me when I say, I don't expect you to implement every single thing on Set for Life, but just taking away a couple of the the actionable tips and sowing some seeds for the future can really have a profound effect on your total life experience. So, tempted, tempted, come and check it out on primalalternative.com 
forward slash set for life. Um, you can find out more about the, sh- the program um, and sign up there. I also have a payment plan. So if 220 is too much of a whack in one go, you can bite size it at $37 a week for six weeks. How fabulously doable is that? So thank you to everybody in Perth that came to the Cultured Wellness event with myself and Kirsty Worth. It was so awesome. We had an inspirational afternoon tea and I did a little talk about my story and the primal lifestyle. And Kirsty did a talk obviously about gut health. And then the Primalistas, so big shout out to Primalista Chicken, Primalista Erica, Primalista Tanya and Primalista Rosie for putting together the most incredible afternoon tea. Like seriously, if it was me organizing that, I would have just like chucked together a few bits of uh, toast with some peanut butter on and said, there you go, love, get yourself a cuppa, you'll be right. But no, these girls turned our products into the most fantastic feast. It was like a banquet. It was heaven. We had um, pizzas uh, with amazing toppings on them. We had bruschetta on the breads. We had delicious cookies. We had jellies. Oh, it was so amazing. And oh, everybody loved it and hung around for ages drinking cups of tea and enjoying the food. So thank you so much, Perth Primalistas. Now, you're going to see Primal Alternative at a lot more events around the country. So if you've got an event coming up that you think Primal Alternative should be at, then be sure to let us know. Now, I'm going to get on with the show. Please let your friends know about this. If you know somebody who's got food intolerances or somebody who you know has um, got some issues with fertility or trying to have a baby, then let them listen to this episode because it's under an hour and you can get so much information and some really cool ideas about where to go next in your fertility journey. So be sure to share the love. Um, leave me a five-star rating on iTunes. And if you've got extra time, even leave me a review. Because that just means that this little show from little me on the south coast of WA, this little show can climb up the iTunes charts and we can reach more people. And it's a really like a grassroots ethical movement that we've got happening and I would really appreciate your support. So that's all for now. Hopefully I'll get to hang out with you more in Set for Life, but otherwise stay tuned. Talk to you again soon. Welcome to the show, Sarah Clark, all the way from Toronto, well near Toronto, in Canada. Yeah, excited to be here. How cool is that? Don't you love it? Like Mm -hmm. you're... It's Tuesday evening for you and Wednesday morning for me. <laughs> That's right. You've like done time travel. <laughs> amazing. That's amazing. I love technology purely for this. Like how on earth would we have been able to do this just 10 years ago? You know, it's just exactly outstanding. So I'm really excited to bring your story to my audience. But before we do that, let us know what you had for breakfast all those hours ago. Yeah, I had a smoothie today. So what did I have? I had, um, well, usually, okay, so I had uh, Sun War- was it Sun Warrior Protein Powder. I typically always have uh, Vital Proteins, the collagen powder, but I ran out yesterday. So I typically always have that in there for like gut health and good for skin and nails. Hmm. Um, and then I had blueberries and a banana, a coconut milk, and that was it. 
Yeah, mm. it's pretty simple today. Sounds good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I make a similar smoothie. Every, I have it every day. I'm a bit addicted to it, actually. That's got the collagen in it as well. And I still think, oh, it's good for me. It's good mm-hmm. healing. But it's also got cacao in, which is wonderful, and some peanut butter, which is just mm-hmm. yum, and, it's, and coconut milk nice. and a little bit of stevia. Yeah, and it's really like a Snickers kind of smoothie. Oh, yeah. That sounds yeah. good. It's very good. It's very, very good. It's very good. So tell us your story. Like, just just start from the beginning and tell us it because I know the story and I don't want to um, accidentally drop any spoilers, but take us back to when you were 28 years old and you received the diagnosis of premature ovarian failure. Yeah. Um, so I always joked I was having menopause in my, in my early 20s. I remember at the time I was in HR and I'd be like fanning my face going, oh, having menopausal hot flashes. Well, it turns out that I was. So um, back then I had regular periods. I had um, a weird fungal rash on my chest. I had yeast infections and I had um, in my skin all of a sudden. It was clear in my teenage years and then all of a sudden it just got this super greasy chin was filled with acne. I was like, what's going on? Um, and so then I was at this plan. I was going to get married at 25 and have my children at 28. So I got married at 25, and then at 28, my cycles are still irregular. I thought, okay, well, I better go in and go to my OBGYN and see what's happening. So I went in there, and then I was told I had uh, premature ovarian failure, which is a loss of function of the ovaries before age 40. I remember her uh, reaching up on her shelf and grabbing the IVF brochure and telling me the only way I was going to have my own children was using donor eggs. And I remember being in complete shock and leaving her office and not even sure what the heck even happened. Uh, but because I'm a person of action, I went straight to the IVF clinic and got on a list for a donor egg. Wow. And um, yeah, and this is uh, many years ago. Um, so actually, we were lucky on the first fresh transfer to have our daughter, and Ava is 16. So this is back in the day when. Um, you said donor egg, and no one even knew what that was. Now, unfortunately, due to our, you know, our standard Western diet and lifestyle, it's a lot more common. And now there's even embryo donation slash adoption because all these these, these em- little embryos are, are, are left from IVF, and people can either destroy them, donate them, or um, send them to research. And some people, like I just interviewed someone on my podcast just recently, she um, adopted her, uh, this uh, little embryo and the siblings to this embryo are 13. So this little embryo was waiting for 13 years for her. So, wow. uh, which is pretty cool. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So then, um, so then for us, we, I wanted to have my children close together. So, um, we, I had two embryos left over. So went back in and, um, my husband's like, Sarah, you seem super stressed, you know, let's kind of just slow this thing down. And I, you know, I kind of wanted to barge ahead. So off we went. And so those two embryos didn't work. Mm-hmm. So then we went on another list for a separate donor egg. And we were lucky enough to have our son, Will, on the, on the first fresh transfer. And Will is 13. So um, many years ago. And then, um, so then my health began to suffer. So well, after my daughter was born, I had chronic sinusitis, chronic bladder infections. And we're getting like nine colds. In one year, every cold went to a sinus infection. I thought it was a great idea to take antibiotics for every cold. Mm-hmm. I had vertigo. I had toenail infections. I had dandruff. I had, um, I had let's say, the bladder infections. I was peeing blood. I was taking all these different antibiotics. I became allergic to all the antibiotics. I thought I had fleas at one point, but no, it was the highest from the antibiotics. 
Um, mm-hmm. Still doing my thing, though, still functioning, but my immune system was just completely obliterated. Mm-hmm. So, and at that point, I was still in HR. I was doing, uh, decided to take a life coaching course and bring that into um, HR. Did that, and I came up with my own personal uh, wake up call and um, decided really want to go into health and wellness. So, I took a health coaching course, and that's where I discovered I had these food sensitivities. So, for me, intolerant to gluten, dairy, and corn. So I took those out of my diet. And, um, and over time, using uh, nutritional therapies, my, my health began to, to improve. Uh, then later, I found, I found it. I also had a gut infection. But really, um, like my message is one of hope. If you're still cycling naturally, there's things we can do um, using the tools of functional medicine. So looking at food sensitivity testing, looking at, you know, looking at stool testing for, for um, potential gut infections, and really figuring out, you know, what is happening. And, you know, for me, I, I didn't discover this till I was 40. I was fully menopause. It was too late for me, but I really wanted to share this message with others that, uh, that are struggling, that there's things we can do. Wow. So what sort of gut infection did you have, Sarah, and what did that look like? <clears throat> yeah, years later, I discovered I had streptococcus, which I then mm-hmm. passed on. Um, so I had both my kids through uh, with C-section, so I passed that on to the children. So they got the so I'm getting the beneficial bacteria through the vaginal canal, and I got the stuff that's sitting on my on my my skin. So pass that to them, and then I also had candida. Um, and a lot of times, you know, I went on the anti candida diet and things like that. But that's candida is really like a fungal thing, so it's quite opportunistic. So usually to treat that last, and I also had H. pylori. I never, I didn't even have wow. any symptoms of H. pylori, the, the typical acid reflux or anything. I didn't have that. So um, yeah, so that was that was years later. I discovered these gut infections when I thought I'd, you know, had my thing all together that I figured it all yeah. out and I'm like, Ooh, then those kind of appeared. So it was interesting then to continue to, to, to heal. So, so that's um, really, that's really interesting. Yeah, Cause you know, obviously um, before you gave up the gluten and the dairy and the corn, you had some really in your face symptoms, you know, like when you're peeing blood, having dandruff, um, your, your vertigo, your, 11 billion calls a year you know like you can't ignore those symptoms but it's it's really interesting to hear that the gut infections just kind of like slipped under the radar so what was it that that um that prompted you to go and get tested um yeah i just i just um was learning more about gut infections and really used used uh, a test that, that that we currently use which is the uh, the uh, gi map test and it looks at the dna of your stool and it looks for parasites uh, um, bacterial infections like streptococcus and fungal infections and that's where i discovered i had these other gut infections and really like for me, I, I, I grew up in this a house that was in a, it was a heavily forested area. There was a lot of carpenter ants. We sprayed it all the time. So it was all these environmental toxins that I was, that I was um, exposed to. I found out later I had the, uh, the MTHFR um, gene. So my, my ability to, you know, detoxify has been, comp- was, was, you know, compromised. So, you know, was it the fact that I was exposed to all these environmental toxins? Did that trigger you know, food sensitivity and then gut infection. I, I, you never really know kind of what it was or did I always have a food sensitivity? Like I remember at the age of 12 looking in the mirror and I had these big, you know, big circles under my eyes, which is a, which is a sign of a food sensitivity. So I used to have these stomach problems in my period and, you know, my early, in my, my teens was like super heavy. I'd almost want to pass out when it came. Mm-hmm. So there's a bunch of clues there, right? When I talk to women all the time talking about fertility, 
there's there's clues that things and a lot of times it's if your period is out of whack then it's suggested to go on the birth control pill which yes yes then there's that you know that post birth control pill syndrome which impacts your nutrient levels as well as your gut health so did that then predispose me potentially to this you know intestinal permeability leaky gut then gut infection I don't know who knows? I know what the same thing. When I look back, I had really bad acne in my um, teenage years and I went on the birth control pill to, <laughs> to control that. Yeah. But luckily, it made me feel so weird. Like It made me feel really maternal and I wanted to give up uni and just oh. stay at home and have babies. I was like, this isn't me. I'm not like this. So <laughs> luckily, just by a fluke, came off it. But instead of taking the birth Ooh. control pill, I then went on to take oxytetracycline, which, as you'll know, is Ooh. a hardcore antibacterial yeah. antibiotic. Ooh. I went on to do that for like about mm, at least five years, maybe longer. Oh, wow. So, yeah. And I remember standing in the mirror too, like being about, um, you know, as a teenager, applying like a concealer under my eyes because I had black circles as well. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. We, we, we're of that generation. I'm in my 40s as well, Sarah, and I think we're just of that generation. Yeah. Where we've just been smashed with everything from every angle. And, you know, coming from parents who've also had, you know, um, exposure to a lot more environmental toxins than, you know, our grandparents did. And then we're then ha- having problems with our fertility and, and, you know, the children that we're bringing into the world are perhaps not as vital as they could be or they should be if we were, you know, if we hadn't had all of this smashing basically when we were growing up so can Absolutely. you yeah. can you go on to tell us how you took this personal journey and this personal wake-up call and you know to then turn away from your corporate HR job to then start your own um, life coaching business and health um, health coaching business to help people with fertility issues yeah I, once I discovered this I was thought why doesn't everybody know this? Why don't people know the link with food sensitivities and gut health? And then, you know, I was, it was too late for me. Like I was fully in menopause, but I thought, well, other people that are struggling with premature ovarian failure or, you know, low ovarian reserve, those kind of things. A lot of people come to me with that or unexplained infertility. I was like, okay, well, people don't, don't know about this. And, you know, I was lucky enough that I was lucky enough to have both my children through donor eggs and through IVF. Cause even for donor eggs, it's a 50% success rate. For IVF, it's an average of 30% success rate, and IUI is 10%. So the stats are a little bit grim. But um, yeah, at the time, I, I just kind of, I, I actually was taking the health coaching course, and I was going to write a, a book about weight loss, which is kind of strange because my, I've never struggled with weight in my life. I'm like six foot tall. I've, it's just not my, my thing. My thing is fertility. I had, you know, at 28 told donor eggs and I'm sort of just this person of action that I was kind of like, I don't know. I didn't even, I get, not to say it wasn't a big deal, but I, I, I just, you know, I was one of the lucky ones and it worked out for me. Mm-hmm. So I, but I didn't view it as I, I viewed it in a very positive manner, I guess, cause I was fortunate that it worked out, but I'm like, well, that's my story. That's what I need to write the book about. So then I wrote the book about my, my, um, you know, my, my fertility uh, journey and then applied all the things from um, like with health coaching to it and then just sort of started the business from there. And it's, um, and then I wrote a cookbook and a bunch of other stuff. So it's just really evolved and it's to, it's to help people that, that were me that don't really, they're just going down that conventional med- medicine route where there's things we can do because a lot of people come to me now and that's like years and years of heartache of failed IUIs, multiple, like I spoke to someone today, I think it was 
four IUIs, three IVFs, two donor egg uh, retrievals all failed. Mm-hmm. Like, and someone else today, six, six miscarriages, just like heartbreaking, um, the, the emotional turmoil of that, and then keep going down this conventional medicine route where it's like, let's just back this stuff up and talking to them. There were like, there's all sorts of clues where in functional medicine, we would just look at things just a lot differently. So this, so there's loads of things here that I want to unpack, but first of all, I just want to like, I just feel so amazed with you, I guess, Sarah, because you know, you, you had this, um, you had this situation where you couldn't have your own children. And like you said, instead of getting all victim-y about it and, you know, worries me, you know, I can't do this. You just took action and, you know, you, you had your children and you, maybe most people would be like, right, I've had my kids. I'm still on my plan. You know, get married at 25, have my kids, you know, around 28. Um, and, but, but then, then drop it. But you continued this passion because you wanted to help other women you know, it, it, your, your situation had moved on. It wasn't like, you, oh, and then you healed yourself and then you've had children naturally. It's like, you know, you, you're, you got your children. You're very lucky, like you say. And, but then you've taken this passion so that you can help other women. I mean, that's just, that's just amazing, isn't it? It's such a selfless mission. Incredible. Yeah, because it's like there's in, in Canada, it's one in six the couples that struggle. And the U.S., it's one in eight. And U.K., I think it's one in five. I'm not sure what it is in, in Australia. But it's, it's like well. so many more people. Yeah, people are, are struggling with this. And it's kind of like, wait, why don't we look at things just a, just a little bit differently? And it's not excluding conventional medicine. You know, functional medicine is the future of conventional medicine. It's just looking at, and we actually end up working with a lot of medical professionals, nurses, doctors, physicians, assistants, people in, with like heavy science background because they just love the science approach to this with, with testing. But then it's still doing that lifestyle medicine like you still need to do the work and make the changes, but it's, it's, it's grounded in like a, this targeted approach. Mm. Yeah, no, it's, it's brilliant. So can you give us some case studies of people, like some of your, um, some of your women who've come to you, you know, like the, 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 you know, and just absolutely heartbreaking experiences to have six miscarriages and the whole ordeal on the system of having to, you know, the, the physical system to, to actually have to go through all of these rounds of IVF, not to mention the financial burden and the other stresses that come with it. I mean, it's so multifaceted, um, you know, that the whole choosing to go through this um, conventional medicine route. But can you share some case studies with us of some of the lifestyle um, changes you've seen have worked for your women? Yeah, so, so typically with, with the protocol we have is we start people off and we have them do a uh, food sensitivity test and we like the, the LEAP MRT test. So it looks at 150 foods and 150 food chemicals. Um, and that's a, um, so that's, that's, that's a blood test. And then while we're waiting for the, the results of the food sensitivity test, we have them do an elimination diet. So you take out uh, dairy, gluten, corn, soy, peanuts, and eggs out of the diet. And then you systematically reintroduce it. So while, and then, then once we get the results of the food sensitivity test, then we can then layer that in. So depending on what comes back, you would then, it could either be 30, 60, 90 days to keep those foods out. But really the, the elimination diet to have people understand how food impacts their body. Because we, you know, we, people could get back a food sensitivity test and kind of go, oh my goodness, what's all this stuff? And it's overwhelming. So we start with that very focused elimination diet. If people bring back in corn and, you know, it makes their, their, um, 
their asthma flare up, bring back in dairy, it could um, make them feel phlegmy, bring back in um, gluten, it could, um, this one lady I'm thinking about, she, she, every Tuesday, she'd be like, oh, I got this, this crippling migraine. And we'd gone through the elimination diet and done the food sensitivity test, but she kept still getting this migraine on Tuesdays. I'm like, okay, wait a minute, what's happening on the weekend? And we found out on the weekend that she, you know, I don't like the word cheat, but she was, I guess, cheating. And because um, this is not a diet, like this is a lifestyle. It's, you don't cheat. You're, 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 you're feeling, you're, you're satisfied and you're satiated and you're not like, it's, it's not the, the, this, the cheat terminology. But um, so she was having a migraine every Tuesday because she was maybe, you know, having some, some bread on the weekend and she was finally able to, to connect the dots. So that, that's, that's for her. And then, um, we, then we look at a, um, a Dutch test. So we look at a, a Dutch hormone test that looks at your using urine. So looking at your cortisol levels, your stress hormone, uh, your melatonin, and then your sex hormones, and exactly seeing where the hormones are going um, in, in each person's body. So it can be um, just a powerful way of, of, of uh, viewing the hormones and then being able to see, again, this, this Dutch test will give us some clues as to what's happening. And then we have a, um, the, the, the GI test. So that looks at, at the um, parasites. And this particular person that had the, the migraines, she also a worm. She had, I think it was two parasites, um, and then I can't remember if she had a fungal infection. There was a number of things going on in her. Like, mm-hmm. It was not like, woo, it's a clear, we haven't had anyone that comes back with a clear, you know, thing. So then we, um, we, we, so I work with a functional diagnostic nutrition practitioner. She will run these, um, functional tests and develops this customized diet protocol. So, um, so then it's kind of this low and slow approach, um, layering in, um, supplements, but for a targeted amount of time. Um, so we did that. I think this person also had a thyroid thing going on, a hypothyroidism. Yep. And usually um, comes along with those sorts of symptoms, doesn't it? If, if if all of that's happening and they're struggling, then probably the thyroid's not going to be working that great either. Mm. And she'd experienced miscarriage. Yeah, and she'd experienced miscarriage, and she had low AMH, so anti-mullerian hormones. Sort of told told that when you know you hear low ovarian reserve, it's kind of like oh, donor eggs are your only option. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there was all these gut infections. So then we developed this protocol, um, Brandy, the lady that I work with, and then um, and then we layer in that lifestyle medicine side of things. So it's it's looking at movement. So for her. Um, a lot of people that come to me are like super type, super type A and like exercising like fiends, um, which is not recommended for fertility. Like vigorous exercise is not recommended, but nor is like hanging on the couch and doing nothing. So um, we like fertility yoga or brisk walking or high intensity interval training or weights. So those weights can be three times a week. So her, her challenge was to get her exercising. So, um, it's just to get her to the gym or even just to get her walking. So she started doing that kind of gradually. Um, and then sleep hygiene, like we worked on sleep hygiene for, for ages, like, you know, the, the, the blue light blockers. So it's not going to impact your circadian rhythm. So when you're going to sleep, um, if you're looking at your screen, then that impacts your sleep. And then, you know, you try to get the seven to nine hours, which is optimum for your health. And if so, if that's, if it's outside of that, then when I've had people, I can't remember for her or not, but I've had people where it's like they're getting up five and six times a night to go to the bathroom. Mm-hmm. And that's a whole other situation going on. So l- looking at sleep, sleep hygiene, like a dark room, taking your phone out of the room, 
going to bed at a certain, you know, a, a, a regular bedtime. Sometimes we got to back up the whole entire day. Like sleep is really important, and it's it's in, in our busy Western lifestyle gets gets missed. But that's one of those foundational pillars. Um, and then we layer, and then also looking at environmental toxins. So how do her, um, you know, take out her person, look into her personal care uh, products, moving all over to, to natural. You can go to the uh, the Skin Deep database. It's a good uh, one there to, to do that at um, ewg.org. And you can look at all your current uh, skincare and kind of get a, a rating of it, uh, looking at your cleaning chemicals. We have people switch out right away to their, their feminine hy- hygiene because a lot of times we're using um, your, your typical, you know, tampons and pads that are, that are, um, like a lot of them are, are sprayed with glyphosate, which is a herbicide linked to infertility. So it's, it's, and there's dyes and things like that in those. So we just say either, you know, a diva cap, which takes a couple cycles to figure out, um, (laughs) or organic pad or, 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 um, organic pad or tampon. Um, so looking at that for her and then, um, and then we, the, and then we layer in a lot of mindset shifts. So we're doing a lot of coaching around um, like adding in mindfulness and then also coaching like aware of your thoughts because 99% of the thoughts you have today, you'll have the same ones again tomorrow. So I, a, a lot of that awareness, just awareness of what it is we're thinking, that inner critic, you know, a lot of um, we can be really hard on ourselves. Um, so eventually over doing all this, it's a six month program. It's with, with the partner. I was just coaching women in the beginning and really found bringing the partner, um, on side for this is just, just having everyone on the same page because, you know, men and women are, are different partners too, could handle, um, infertility differently. And it just doesn't mean because they're handling it differently that, that it, it's, they're not equally as impacted. Um, so yeah, she, and she just recently, um, announced that she was pregnant. So yay! it's, um, Such great yay! yeah. So Such it's like great. pretty cool. Mm-hmm. I know. So yeah, it's, um, it's this kind of, it's like that lifestyle medicine, making, making all those, those changes o- over time. And then, and, but with a, with a level of, as most people come to me, like, it doesn't matter how old they are, 28, 38, like everyone's in a panic. So when I say six months, it's kind of like, ooh, that seems like a really long time to, to not try potentially because well, if, you, if we pregnant, found something. When you're trying to get pregnant, just that one month with that one egg of waiting to find out, you know, it, just naturally trying to get pregnant, it's like it's the longest month of your life. And like, so having to wait six months, you know, and maybe something might happen. Mm-hmm. It is. It, we are in such an urgency. It's like that biological clock's ticking, isn't it? And we, when we get that urge to have a baby, the urge is so strong. It's, it's hard to just try and put, a, um, put the brakes on it, isn't it? Yeah, and it's, but it's just the sort of listen. I keep saying, you know, listen to what your body is saying. Like your body will whisper to you. I think, this, I think this comes from Dr. Oz. I think I can't remember this quote, or maybe it's, maybe it's Dr. Mark Hyman. Um, your, your body will whisper to you, and when you ignore the signals, it will, so it will start shouting at you in the form of disease. Yeah. So it's really you know, your your body's saying things to you all along. Where it's like, oh, that's normal. It's it's normal for me to feel bloated after every meal. It's normal for me to have gas. It's normal for me to burp all the time. It's normal for me to have my hair fall out. It's normal for me, you know, all these different things. Well, those are little clues. That's why I was asking people. Well, what do you think it is? Because a lot of times we give our power over to the person in the white coat, mm-hmm. and we and we believe in this, you know, this healing roundtable. This this is from Doctor Oz, where it's you have your RE, you have your OBGYN, you have your coach, you have your nutritionist, you have your 
acupuncturist, your chiro, your masseuse, but but you're in the middle and you're in charge of everybody. You're that those you know those are your 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 healing roundtable. So your your board of directors. Yeah. Um, and a lot of times we just give it over to one person. Well, no, it's everyone and you're in charge. I love that. It's so true. It's so true. And I think we we sort of yeah give our power away to our team of experts, which you know I've got the the same sounding team of experts and they're all completely valuable and love them on my journey but at the end of the day you know I need to trust my own intuition and know what's right what's right for me and if something feels wrong then you need to go with that you can't just be kind of like bundled along this path that somebody thinks is right for you when you feel really certain that it's not so that's really very a very empowering um a very empowering message to share but just going back to the um just backtracking slightly to the food sensitivity test you, you did mention the name of the test there but would you mind just saying it again because um i don't think i've heard of that one what was the food sensitivity test that you guys run yeah it's the leap mrt so it's it's mrt stands for something i get the Millerian. oh i just did one today um but yeah leap mrt is the is the test and it's got the highest efficacy on my, on my website. We, we review, uh, I think three or four of them. Just if you go into fab fertile, FAB fertile and look under food sensitivity and there's a blog in there about a number of different food sensitivity tests. We, we like that one. Now, some, sometimes it's hard, harder to get maybe in parts of Europe. It's easier in U S some parts of Canada. Um, I think in Australia we might do the IgG. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Is it similar um, to that? Because yeah, that's pretty. I've had that IgG yeah. one. Mm. Mm. The Leap MRT is just gives us more more data, and it's done through your blood cells, and that the food um, is exposed to your blood, and it, and they look to see if there's a response. So it's a little different than the IgG with the, with the delayed response. Mm. Mm. Have to look into it, see if we can get that one here. But it's just really interesting. Like even just not even if you're not wanting to get pregnant, you know, if you're a woman and you've eliminated foods from your diet, which you already know, like you've already done your own elimination test, or you might have had a food sensitivity test and taken foods out of your diet, to then still have all of these underlying things happening that could be wreaking havoc with your hormones, your emotions, your whole you got to your whole system. So it's, it's really important, isn't it, to, to, to work with a functional medicine doctor and to, um, or a practitioner to really get to the bottom. Like you, did, you, like you were feeling fine, you cut out your gluten, corn and dairy, but you still had the gut infection and the other things that you still continue, needed to continue to heal. So I guess my question here, Sarah, is like, is this just something that we need to keep doing for the rest of our life? It's just like keep testing, keep peeling back the layers, keep working on our, on our healing. Yeah, there's there's obviously a process too, but then you can also go too down the rabbit hole of like being like uber like this uber healthy thing too, which is kind of you know constrictive. So it's it's really um, you know figuring out the the diet that's right for you, but also the whole like I was very I was coaching people and we're like oh you have to meditate and I was like oh maybe meditating once a week it was just pathetic and um, I shouldn't say pathetic but it's so at the beginning of the year I was like okay I'm going to commit to to meditating because I'm telling people advising people to meditate and I'm not you know I, I like to walk the talk like with the yeah. food thing I, I'm, I'm very good with the food like I, I know these foods don't work for me and I don't eat them and I feel great yeah um, but, like, but, but the mindset like with patients with patients, with like some of the mindset stuff, that's where I, I need to dig in too. Um, so I committed to the beginning of the year to just you know meditate ten minutes a day. 
So I went to Kripala, which is this, you know, cool um, meditation or um, kind of like a well, well-being retreat in uh, Massachusetts. And um, they have all the sort of top leaders in the U.S. come and give um, give talks there and workshops. Anyways, I went on a, a retreat there in January and I bought this really nice meditation pillow. And and so I just kind of started in the, in the morning to, to do like a little bit of light stretching and some meditation. And I just find it, um, it sets me up for the day. Cause I was always like, I don't have time in the morning. And I'm like, I set my own schedule. Of course I have time. <laughs> but I had this thing that I was extremely resistant to doing it, which is weird because I'm such a person of action, mm. but that's where to, to dig into that piece, right? Sometimes the things that we're resistant to, that's where you get the biggest value from. Um, and, and that, that whole mindfulness piece of layering, you know, mindfulness into your day, like mindful hand washing or a mindful walk. I take the dog for a walk and sometimes I could be gone for 20 minutes and I've just got a whole story going on in my head of all the stuff that's going on. Or I can like be present with the dog and watch her sniff and smell the, Mm. you know, the flowers and just really be on the walk, which is very restorative. And in our, like our busy, 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 go, go, go. It's, it just gives this grounding piece to the whole thing. Mm, yeah, I love it. I love it. So have you got any tips around? So you, I know you're a type A personality. You're, you're very successful in what you do. You've got a family. Uh, you've got your, your clients. And you, like you say, you, you've got, you're busy. You don't have time to meditate in the morning. But then you, when you actually take the, take the responsibility, you go, well, actually, I, I actually schedule my own week. Um, it's not dictated to me by anybody. And you can actually yeah. design your week to, to how, how it is. What other non-negotiables do you have in your life, Sarah? I, I, I always get, like, a, I like a nice nine hours of sleep. I don't always get that, but, like, I prioritize sleep. So the sleep hygiene, I usually go to bed at a, 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 usually before 11. Um, obviously every once in a while it's going to be later, but I like, I like to go to bed at the same time. I like, the, I put an essential oil on before I, I, I go to sleep. I usually read a fiction book cause I, I, I love reading. Uh, so I make sure I don't do nonfiction or that'll get me too stimulated. Um, and yeah, so the, the sleep is, re- is really important. And also for me eating, if I don't eat I'm that happy. So I have my three meals a day plus snacks. I feel really happy with that. And I, um, I always, no matter if the day is completely jam-packed, I will always squeeze in my time to eat and not at the desk or, you know, I'll, I'll step away and not in the car or running all over the place. It's like to really prioritize eating because if I eat on the run, I feel, do that all the time. I used to eat on the run, run around, and I just feel, I don't know, like, agitated somehow so it's just to sit down and really have a nice meal yeah yeah i remember um driving around eating sandwiches i'm got a gluten intolerance (laughs) driving around eating sandwiches in my corporate (laughs) days and i'd be going to my afternoon clients and i'd have to like undo my skirt you know like the button on my skirt on my my suit pants never wear those now but um because <laughs> I, I was so bloated yeah and and it's amazing isn't it like that, mm-hmm. that what you just sitting there yeah no 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 not nice at all not nice at all so while we're on food i, know, I used to always have that sorry yeah, go ahead you know you finish i was used to have i used to always have that little belly oh. i was like thin but with this like little belly and i'm like oh and then when i 
took out the food sensitivity, then it goes flat. But it was interesting. Yeah, always super bloated. And if I happen to get something, if I get glutened or something gets me, um, yeah, it just goes like, boof again. I'm like, oh, interesting. <laughs> yeah, no, it is interesting, isn't it? It is so interesting. So while we're on food, um, I'd love to know what Sarah Clark's personal opinion is on wine, coffee, and chocolate. Okay, so for fertility, um, alcohol, you probably really don't want to have alcohol, um, especially if, you got, if, you've got, if, you, if you're trying naturally or if you've got an IUI or an IVF coming up. Now, if you are, having said that, if you are at a party and you want to, to have something, you can do like a wine spritzer, so it's not, you can do that. If you can try to get an organic wine, um, I've been meaning to try this this wine. I think I've been seeing it run around with different different people are are um, saying it's a good one to try is um, Dry Farms. Oh my goodness! Winery. I knew you were going to say that from Todd. What's his name? Todd. <laughs> yeah, Mark Sisson talks about Dry yeah. Farms wines all the time. We can't get it in Australia, but yeah. I have tried. Mm. Oh, you can't? Mm. No, no. I was looking because because it doesn't have yeast. Which because mm. I have a, a I don't I don't eat anything with yeast. And then you know, so I I haven't tried that yet, but. If you're trying to get pregnant, I wouldn't say that. I wouldn't say do that. Uh, chocolate, people, like I can't have too much chocolate. It's, it's also, I think it's a cross-reactor with gluten. So um, mm. it, it's like you've got to listen to your body on that. And if you do have chocolate, you can do dark, like over 70%. Obviously, if you've got a, if you've got a dairy thing going on, you don't want to have chocolate. Um, but it I've had like a 95% dark chocolate. I'm like, what's the point? It just tasted like garbage. It was so, it was too dark <laughs> for me. I'm like, I just, I'm like, really? The, I went to a chocolate. So I have like a little chocolateer in my town. Most people, mm. you know, I think most little towns have a nice place where they make their own chocolate. So I get, I'll do a, like a really good quality dark chocolate, but it's like once in a while. Whereas growing up, I was obsessed with chocolate and chocolate was my vice. Mm. and um so now i i have it sparingly not you know not every day well it's and probably sugar was your vice it, it more realistically isn't yeah it? The, the chocolate yeah. i used to eat was the yeah, exactly. chocolate yeah. stuff with the fondanty colored oh, stuff yeah. in the middle and like <laughs> and my teeth just hurt thinking about eating that now that's just like insane oh, yeah. <laughs> but i remember i remember going to fun good chocolate like, yeah. oh it's just so different so different i remember going to france and seeing 90 percent cacao chocolate and I just thought that's going to be even more chocolatey but I was back in that was back in the milk chocolate fondant days right and I remember popping in popping in a piece of this chocolate and literally the entire uh, surface of my mouth just dried up it was like someone just put a teaspoon of cocoa on my tongue I was like oh my god this is disgusting but it's an it's an acquired taste isn't it after a while once you cut back on the sugar like even a carrot tastes completely sweet no. Well, it's true. I remember my mom, my mom always said growing up, because my parents were ve- like, we were vegetarian and they went vegan when I was, you know, like they've been vegan for 30 years. So they were, you know, she was always saying for your dessert, oh, it's an apple. I'm like, that's not a dessert. And well now, yeah, actually you can have a good apple or some blueberries and that can actually satisfy you. But it takes a while if you're, you're on, if you're addicted to sugar, which is, you know, was it seven times more addicted than, than cocaine? Mm. It, it takes a little bit of time. It's really typically to go cold turkey. Mm. but um, what did you say you said wine chocolate and what was the other one you had a question oh yeah coffee oh coffee yeah we don't recommend coffee for fertility some you'll see some studies saying you can have one a day i we have a in my book there's like a caffeine with uh withdrawal 
things. So if you're, you're doing one or two a day or more, don't go cold turkey because you'll have horrible detox, detox symptoms. So we'd say to go, yeah, like do like half calf and then um, like half, half um, decaf, half regular, and then go decaf and then go down to green tea and then you go down to herbal tea and then you can maybe even go down to warm water with lemon. <laughs> after a while so it's, sometimes it's just the warmth that we like in the morning it's so just a, depending on what it is that you like about the the drink so mm. you, can, you can still have something it's interesting also lots of um, yeah lots of coffee substitutes like dan- dandy blends a good one it's gluten-free mm. and um um uh caffeine free yeah it's the same with coffee like that my, I used to love coffee but that was again another it was just an, another sugar addiction in another form because I was getting you know skinny yep. lights with one sugar which is basically oh, just yeah. a sugar bomb <laughs> but then you have to like retrain yourself to like coffee You're like wow it's really bitter and delicious and you know it's got all these depths of flavor mm-hmm. when you actually just drink coffee mm-hmm. and not not just a sugar bomb yeah interesting it's interesting so we we're coming to the end of the show now Sarah unfortunately because I could totally dive into so many um bits of what you've talked about especially the glyphosate on tampons god I don't even want to start to Mm. think about that Mm. and how (laughs) totally destructive and horrible that is so please either use yes diva cups menstrual cups sisters or yeah organic tampons or pads definitely very very important but before we get to the close of the show Sarah do you have any final message or um, words of wisdom or anything that you want to leave our audience with when it comes to their fertility? I really think to, to listen to what your body is saying to you and I'll, I, until it's like the body will, will whisper, whisper, and then it starts shouting at the form of disease. Also, like with your blood chemistry, if you've been told everything is normal, um, so your conventional doctor is going to be looking at um, pathological levels, so levels for people with disease, whereas in functional medicine, we look at levels for um, healthy people. And so we are, often can flag things that have been missed uh, when, you're, when you've been told everything is normal, like asking, looking to ask for a full thyroid panel. If you have low vitamin D, that's a clue of your, you know, and that's, that's an immune marker. Well, why is it low? Um, and a bunch of other things, like if there's low iron or magnesium, there's, there's that the, the, your blood chemistry can be very telling. Um, and I think sometimes that's often missed. Uh, and also if you've been on, 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 on long-term birth control, that's also can be some people always and their gut flora, which then could potentially predispose themselves to food sensitivities, gut infections. So I think you'll dig a little further in some, in some of those things. Awesome advice. Now, I know that uh, from personal experience and speaking to a lot of my um, listeners and friends that when it comes to finding a practitioner to work with, it can be almost so difficult, you know, because you start start your journey with one practitioner and you don't get the, the result that you're looking for. So you try somebody else and you, people are always looking for a referral of a good practitioner to work with. So if people are listening to this show today and they're like, oh my God, I want to work with Sarah. She sounds perfect for me. I want to do it you know, that six month plan that she was talking about, get me on board. How can they find out more about you and more about your programs and your book and your cookbook and how can they work with you? Yeah, totally. So you can check out my website at fabfertile, fabfertile.com. Also the uh, Get Pregnant Naturally podcast, got tons of information on there. And we're going into, this is airing October. So we're, we're, we'll be full swing into the functional medicine side of things. We did a, we did the first, three months of the year, we did a mindset, we did mindset um, and um, 
work with, with guests that that way. Then we did diet and now we're moving into functional medicine. Um, so the get pregnant naturally podcast. I also have a, a free fertility diet freebie. So if you go to fertility diet freebie, F R E E B I E.com. And it's a three day fertility diet challenge. You can check out. And also, yeah, um, if you're interested in the couples coaching program, uh, where we look at functional testing and, um, you know, layering in those, those, the lifestyle medicine and mindset, you can, um, go to my site and you can book a free, you can book a free call on there and we can chat. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, um, for being on the show today, Sarah, and really just sharing such a positive message of, of hope for people who are wanting to have a baby. So thank you so much. Thanks for having me. It was great. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.